Good morning. It's Monday, August 26th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news, all within 15 minutes or fewer. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm joined this and every weekday by 24-7 Sports College Sports Editor, Trey Scott. The two Week Zero matchups featured 12 combined turnovers, Trey, but hopefully there will be no fumbles from you or I today. Let's start with Florida's 24-20 win over Miami. Quite a few narrative swings in this one. For a moment, it looked like the Gators were on their way to a 14-3 first half lead, but the turnover chain came out early and often, keeping the Hurricanes in it. The U even took a fourth quarter lead on a 50-yard touchdown run from DJ Dallas, but when given the ball back two plays later on the Florida 25, thanks to a Felipe Franks interception, the Hurricanes came away with no points. And on the ensuing drive, Florida scores the game-winning touchdown on a Felipe Franks run set up by a 65-yard bomb to Josh Hammond. Trey, I've been back and forth so many times about what any of this actually meant as we record this on Monday morning. Where is your head at? It's always weird when the when the game is such that you feel better about the losing team than the winning team, which isn't quite what I expected going into Saturday. I think there's three things. I think there's how we think about Florida, how we think about Miami, and then after we kind of talk about that, how do we feel about a week zero game? Like, how do we feel about an August 24th game that was clearly sloppy? I'll start with Florida all offseason, and it was a really bad one for the Gators. We kept coming back to, well, at least they have Dan Mullen. At least they have Felipe Franks. At least they have a bevy of running backs and a bevy of skill talent on the outside. It didn't look like Felipe Franks has taken the leap. And the 65-yard uh, bomb to Hammond. That was like classic vintage strong arm Felipe Franks. But other than that, 17 for 27, 254, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He didn't look great. Missed a lot of throws. And the play calling, like Dan Mullen didn't seem like they were trusting Felipe Franks to win them games, which is given what we heard all summer, that's how we thought Florida was going to win games. So, And then, of course, you don't really go back to Kadarius Toney after, after he breaks loose for that awesome touchdown. So Florida, do you agree there? We are kind of left wanting a little bit and it was their is their defense which we knew would be talented but it was their def, uh, the front seven that, that had the 10 sacks and the secondary actually had a little bit of a rough rough go in a bit of it but felipe franks i thought was like my biggest head scratcher from that whole game yeah uh the franks versus jaron williams comparison is interesting because i'm with you i test wise franks did not seem to pass uh, Jaron Williams did seem to pass, but then as I'm kind of like spending some time digging through the box scores, I'm looking at 3.85 sack adjusted yards per pass for Jaron Williams. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, the offensive line was bad, but, and how much horrible, it, yeah, really <laughs> shockingly terrible. But like at the end of the day, that's just not anywhere near enough production for me to feel a hundred percent confident that you know, that situation is sorted out there. Um, I, mean, well, he, I get that. Like he got sacked 10 times. He looked skilled. Like he, he showed off some skills. He showed off some poise. Of course, you're, you're frustrated by the delay of game penalties. And any of us at home, like when you're watching that game, Jaron Williams, I guess, is trying to make it a play and extend that pocket. But you're right. It's, I mean, he, he held on to the ball way too long. There, and you, 
you just assume that's a, a redshirt freshman issue, though. Yeah, and I mean, of the things, of the deficiencies for a quarterback to have, it seems like that is among the most eminently fixable. And I, there there were some things in the Miami offense that I liked. Uh, I thought that they were doing some interesting things. And up until they failed to uh, score on that drive that, they, that started with the Felipe Franks interception, I was like so close to getting ready to tweet. Like, honestly, this Miami offense right now looks a little bit more like a Dan Mullen offense than Dan Mullen's offense does. Like, trying, finding creative ways to work around the flaws in the offense, using that jet sweep and bringing Tate Martell on the field to kind of stretch the defense out a little bit and find, find some joy up the middle with DJ Dallas. But then, they don't score on that drive. And then Felipe Franks throws that pass. And then and then you look at, for, for all the not passing the eye test Franks did, you look at 8.75 sack-adjusted yards per pass attempt, 63% completion rate, and yes, two interceptions. But, like, against a really good Miami defense... I'm with you. He did. I did not think he looked good, but then I look at that and I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty decent production against a defense we all think is probably top 10-ish in the country. I think it's maybe I'm concerned. It seemed like he almost at times was doing more that would cause them to lose the game. The turnovers, the interception was insane. Uh, Thomas Goldcamp, our Swamp 247 writer, notes that that very curious play call, Connor, on third and goal, from I believe the eight or it was third and eight in in the red zone. That was a quarterback power. We were like, what the heck, Dan Mullen? He said he thinks Felipe Franks checked into that. Mm. So that and that the only issue I have with any of that, like the stats are fine. I just thought this was going to be the reason the Gators won games this fall. And it's still yeah. early. It just seemed like 2017 version of Felipe Franks. And I, I think that kind of brings us full circle to was this too early? Was August 24th too early for a football game? I say, I say no. It was one of ESPN's highest watched regular season games in years. I enjoyed it. I don't care that it was sloppy. I think we both love college football because it's a massive mess. Yeah, uh, th- th- yeah. This is a this is a thing. This has been a talking point in college football. Like I remember back when Florida and Tennessee used to decide the East in like week three. It, the, the discussion was, uh, oh, well, is it fair to decide to have such an important game happen this early? And I think, yes, absolutely. Like, just while it is true that both of these teams will probably be playing a little bit better in a couple of weeks, like, why should being ready for week one not be something that we test these teams on? Like, that, I don't, I don't understand why we someone should get a pass on that. I don't know. It's interesting the difference a week can make, and it does when traditionally teams would never schedule big opponents and openers. You're seeing a little bit more of that, but they would kind of have the cupcake game. And then if you do play a big non-conference at your week two or week three game, Miami certainly didn't look prepared as far as the delay of game penalties went. I don't know how many they had. They They had a total of 14 penalties for 125 yards. And when you're talking about a new first time head coach, a uh, new offensive coordinator and a new quarterback. I suppose those things happen. I'm not sure what Florida's excuse was. It was sloppy, yes, but I mean, I would take it. I'll take it. I'll take August. I'll take football on August 14th. Just if you can start practice earlier, I guess you can't because you have you have to have school starting. 
But uh, I didn't mind the action, but it was messy. So uh, to wrap up this conversation, uh, stock up, stock down on each of these teams being threats to win their division. Stock up on Miami, stock down on Florida. Yeah, I think stock slightly down on Florida for me. I think you, you said it that well. That team cannot beat Georgia. That cannot yeah. beat Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I think – Maybe and maybe I'm being swayed by the fact that I just listened to our Swamp 24/7 podcast this morning, um, uh, and they kind of made a defense of Felipe Franks. So I, I don't think he was terrible, but I he has not made the leap forward to an upper crust SEC quarterback, a game changer like the way we saw From kind of make the leap during the course of last season. I think, um, and that's going to hold them back. I think Miami. I feel like I still need a couple weeks to, to sort through what they're going to do. Um, I, well, I'd like a couple more weeks on Florida, too. But yeah, yeah, Miami, yeah. Miami has offensive potency that I did not expect. Yeah. There's um, something there. Um, other other action on Saturday night. Hawaii pulling the upset in a 45-38 to 38 win over Arizona. Khalil Tate who showed some indications of being back to his 2017 form with going over 300 yards passing and over 100 rushing with an impressive 30-yard scamper that ultimately came up short at the Hawaii one-yard line to potentially tie the game up and force our first overtime and get our first taste of the new overtime rules. But it was not to be in a game that, for as sloppy as uh, Florida and Miami was, this one seems to have been even sloppier, but Hawaii comes away with a win. I man, it seems like this is not a good sign for Kevin Sumlin and company. Obviously, losing uh, to Hawaii, but it just seems like the the floor on that program right now is concerningly low. Five and seven a year ago, they were eleven point favorites at Hawaii, which is more talented than people give it credit for, but it's still Hawaii. And Kevin Sumlin, it's not like Arizona was struggling under Rich Rodriguez. He was fired for reasons that had nothing to do with the football field. So uh, I, I, if Kevin Sumlin has another five and seven, six and six year, he's gone. Yep. All right. So uh, we are going to try to get you prepared for the week one, week one of the college football season on the other side of the break with some storylines to pay attention to as we begin your Monday. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law all right, we are back, everybody. And yes, as Connor said, it's officially the first game week of the year for anyone who didn't kick off on Saturday. And Monday is when we are going to have our coach and availability and player press conferences for 99% of college football teams across the country. As for depth charts, if it hasn't been released yet, or if you're Jim Harbaugh, you're going to get a depth chart out today. Uh, each of those will probably have a few surprising wrinkles of interest to your team and your team's reporters nationally. Uh, couldn't find too many big things to keep an eye on. Uh, the only quarterback battles that haven't been officially decided are Oklahoma State, Arkansas, and TCU. And as far as Oklahoma State goes, 
Keep in mind, Cowboys coach Mike Gundy has said he won't reveal the starting quarterback ahead of Friday's opener versus Oregon State. Probably doesn't want anyone to transfer until then. Uh, These press conferences will also be the first time in a minute that coaches have been able to provide injury updates. Some big ones to watch this week are at Texas. We're starting running back Keontae Ingram is dealing with a knee issue. He's one of two scholarship running backs who have not been ruled out for week one for Texas. That's a big issue down in Austin because in week two, LSU looms. Oregon's had receiver issues all offseason and is hoping Penn State transfer Jawan Johnson's ailment, believed to be right calf cramps, is nothing more than that. Oregon, of course, has Auburn on Saturday. And speaking of the Tigers, let's see what Gus Malzahn says about the status of speedster Anthony Schwartz, who had hand surgery three weeks ago. Next up, defending national champ Clemson opens its season Thursday in Death Valley as a 37-and-a-half point favorite over conference foe Georgia Tech. The Tigers are going to crush the Yellow Jackets. And the most interesting thing about that game is actually that it will be broadcast on the ACC Network, which is owned by ESPN, whose availability so far is limited to Spectrum, DirecTV, Verizon, Fios, and cord-cutting options like PlayStation View, which is what I have, Hulu Plus, and YouTube TV. If you have Xfinity, Dish, or AT&T Uverse, you do not have the ACC network. Have, have you have you watched any ACC network so far? It's, I, I I saw some people buzzing about Mark Rick's performance during, and I guess they were just like sitting around eating snacks, watching the ESPN broadcast. And uh, I've wa- I, I've watched a little of it. Uh, I didn't see that, but I can I know he picked Texas A&M to beat Clemson on the ACC network. I don't think he got the memo. It's pretty good. It's like an <laughs> SEC network, like. Like almost like an even more relaxed version of it. I like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yesterday they had soccer on, uh, which you would like. Uh, Tennessee fans are in for a newsy week, Connor. Not only are we still waiting on the NCAA to rule on Michigan transfer Aubrey Solomon, a former five-star who'd be manna from heaven for a depleted defensive line, but star cornerback Bryce Thompson was arrested Saturday and charged with domestic assault. Per Vols 247, the sophomore was in an argument with his girlfriend and made two threats, one to slap the expletive out of her and the other to shoot up the school. Thompson also admitted to breaking a metal gate at the end of the hallway of the dorm building. Last year, he was a freshman All-American, started 10 of 12 games, perhaps the best player on the defensive side of the football. This sounds really bad. So is Thompson going to get dismissed? Will he be suspended for how long? Those are tough questions that Coach Jeremy Pruitt's going to have to answer this week. On Sunday, Florida State named James Blackman its week one starter against Boise State. The redshirt sophomore beat out Wisconsin transfer Alex Hornerbrook in what appears to have been a fairly legitimate quarterback competition. Blackman, of course, was quarterback number two for most of the year last year behind DeAndre Francois. But with Francois moving on, things were kind of opened up for Blackman. Kind of seemed like he would always be the guy all along, but... As, uh, as as fall camp went on, our reporters over at Knowles 24-7 were saying that this was a race that was tighter than expected. But it looks like James Blackman uh, is going to start the year at quarterback for Kendall Bryles. Yeah, I was just going to say, excited to see what he does in that system. Uh, UCLA linebacker Bo Calvert violated NCAA rules. Uh, they didn't tell us which one. And is out indefinitely. The Bruins already had issues at linebacker. And Calvert, though he's not a starter, was going to play a big role. UCLA plays at Cincinnati on Thursday as a three-point underdog. I don't think anyone's talking about that game, but I absolutely guarantee it'll be an interesting one. On Friday, Washington announced that Georgia transfer Jacob Eason will be their starting quarterback 24 hours later. The program released a statement saying that backup Jake Hayner was on the way out. 
This despite Chris Peterson specifically going out of his way to say that Hayner would play in the Husky season opener against Eastern Washington. Hayner is the only quarterback on UW's roster who took a snap for the team in 2018. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend to check us out. Then when you've done that, tell an enemy to check us out. For Trey Scott, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you bright and early on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.